good afternoon. You're listening to Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church. Stephen Pollock is the pastor of the Free Presbyterian Church of Malvern, Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us today as he opens the Word of God and lets the Bible speak. Marriage is an important part of church life, and today I want to break into our regular programs to broadcast some excerpts from a recent wedding that we celebrated in our church. I trust it will be a blessing to your soul. So let's join together and sing this opening hymn of praise to God be the glory, great things he has done. point I'd like to bring your attention to just one text of scripture, Uh, but prior to that I want to read another portion of the word of God 
And that's found in the book of Ephesians, in the chapter 5. And let's hear uh, the word of God together. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. And he is the saviour of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he may present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hateth his own flesh, but nourisheth it and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. And for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. And of course, that foundational text in the New Testament regarding the subject of marriage, it gives context what we read in the Old Testament also regarding the subject. And I want to read to you one text found in the book of Proverbs, and it's Proverbs chapter 18. And the verse number 22, where Solomon says, Whoso findeth a wife, findeth a good thing, and obtaineth favor of the Lord. Before we get to that text, I want to ask you two just three questions. More questions are going to follow. The important ones are going to follow very soon. But begin with, why are you getting married today? Why in front of people? And why in a church? So why are you getting married today? Well, sometimes, sadly, it's just the next thing you do. You go high school, college, you start a job. Well, it's about time I got married. I don't think that's the case here. Perhaps, uh, more honorably, they would say, well, it's a proper expression of Christian love. This couple love one another. I've seen evidence of that. It's a joy to see. And that's a good reason, of course, to get married today. Well then, why in front of people? You say, well, we needed witnesses. Two was plenty. Okay, you didn't need all these people here for witnesses. You know, you could, have, you could have done with a couple of people, not all these people. So why, why are you all these people here? Why in front of people in this gathering today? Well, because you want your friends and family to share in your joy. And that together we will delight in what's happening here at the front of this church this afternoon. But then, why in a church itself? Well, you need a large enough building for all the witnesses. So that's certainly part of it, you know, so you're all here in a church for a building big enough to hold all your friends and family. And shouldn't a Christian get married in a church after all? Isn't that what Christians do? But believe it or not, what you're doing here today is of importance to all of us here, not just to, uh, to Mark and Rebecca. This occasion this afternoon is a public declaration of things that are important for life and society. Things that are important for us all to remember. Convictions that are formed in bringing this couple together here on this occasion. It reminds us, 
Fundamentally, that marriage is an institution honored in the sight of God. It is holy in the sight of God. A church building, don't get me wrong, a church building is only a building. It's only bricks and mortar. However, in this place, God's people meet to worship God. And whenever two or three are gathered together in God's name, then we believe that the Lord is here in the midst. And we're holding a marriage ceremony in the church today because we believe that God honors marriage. Marriage is God's idea. It's God's institution given as a gift from God to men and to women. And thus, to conduct a wedding in a church reflects our belief that this institution is ordained of God. It's a good thing to get married. As Paul says in Hebrews chapter 13, marriage is honorable in all. It's good to start and continue with an eye to the Lord and to his word. It's good to remind ourselves that when Mark and Rebecca give their vows, as they're about to do very shortly, they are doing so, yes, in the presence of all of you, but in the presence of God. They are not to be entered into lightly. The old Scottish Presbyterians viewed marriage as the solemnizing of marriage. It's a solemn occasion to give vows in the presence of God. And I remind you both of that even at this time, that you'd realize what you're doing is in the presence of God. And therefore, beginning in God's presence, you will continue in God's presence in the days to come. Marriage has also been declared here as being the only realm in which we should express romantic love. Romantic love is ordained of God. It's pleasing to God. I've already read to the verse in Hebrews 13 that marriage is honorable in all. Again, God is pleased to allow a man, a woman, to enter into romantic love. And such love is only to be between a man and a woman. And it's good and proper to choose to be married. There are many, perhaps some of you here, perhaps some in the area around us would, would think nothing if Mark and Rebecca just simply chose to live together, to cohabit, to set a family up in the, in the context of just us living in the same house, sharing romantic love, but without engaging this institution. And the fact they're here publicly in the house of God before you all is a reminder to us all that marriage is the only sphere ordained of God in which romantic love is properly expressed. In that regard, it's good that they're here today. And we, therefore, we're here today in a sense reminding ourselves that marriage is important in the sight of God. It's not a trivial thing. And we're living in days of great confusion in that regard. And the heterosexual community, they view marriage as being unnecessary. Why would you bother? And if they do be bothered to get married, well, it's easily dissolved with no-fault divorce and such like things. Marriage is not held in the honor that God holds it in our society. On the other hand, the homosexual community, they, they view marriage as their right, something they demand to have as, as their right. And so perhaps today, uh, like perhaps no other day, we're living in days when marriage is, is tremendously confusing. On the one hand, it's unnecessary. On the other hand, it must be redefined and expressed in a manner that's not according to the word of God. And so for a husband and a wife, not yet, for a man and a woman uh, to come together and to engage in the covenant of marriage, it's a testimony to you all. Testimony regarding God's word regarding the institution of marriage. 
tell you again that society will crumble as long as this institution is not held up as being honorable in the sight of God, vital for a stable society, vital in displaying Christ and his church. I read to that portion of Ephesians chapter 5, this displays the relationship between Christ and his church. And therefore, our society undervalues marriage, so they undervalue what God has ordained to be a picture, a portrait of Christ, the Savior's love for his church and for his people. And all of that is to give context to our text. Whoso findeth a wife, findeth a good thing, and obtaineth favor of the Lord. No two things. And then we're finished. Nobody's going to faint. You're all okay so far. I warned them before. Put Nobody's going to faint. So all so far so good. You guys are okay. Two quick things. Marriage reveals. In shadow, in picture form, marriage reveals God's gospel. This text in Proverbs 18, it's in two parts, and is often the case in Proverbs, the, the second part qualifies the first. Sometimes by contrast, you'll see a, a but perhaps included, sometimes by comparison with an and. Well, well, here it is by expansion. The man is said to find a wife. He might find her in his church. He might find her in the neighborhood. He might find her in his workplace. He might even, and today he might even find her online today. All of these things are, are valid ways in which a man may find a wife. But yet, in the final analysis, whilst the man is said to find the wife, it is God that gives the wife to the man. Because the second part explains the first. Whilst the man finds the wife and therefore finds a good thing, it says in the second part, he obtains favor of the Lord. Again, I've said to you before, marriage is a picture of Christ in the church. And if that is so, then a text like this about the subject of marriage should say something to us regarding the subject of Christ in his church. And it does. It says some very important things regarding Christ in the church. Because the gospel is the truth of the father giving the son a bride. We know that in the word of God. Again, the church is given these various terms. It's called the bride of the lamb. The lamb, of course, referring to, to Christ's sufferings in Calvary. He's a lamb that shed his blood for our sins. And the church is the bride of the lamb. And indeed, when we go to glory, and our, our pastor mentioned the, the thought of Christ's return, we're going to the marriage supper of the lamb. It's a celebration. The church, the bride of the lamb. And yet the Bible tells us that the father gave the son the church. Again, you perhaps will be familiar with the verse in, in John chapter 6. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. You see, due to our sin, we would never find Christ. Human sinfulness is an awful thing, terrible. It's caused our eyes to be blind to the glory of Christ. Our wills to be broken that we will not by nature choose Christ. Given the choice, we'll, we'll run away from God. We'll run away from His Son. But, but we have here the truth that the Father has been pleased to give His Son a people. To save them. To deliver them. And so, this text tells us again. That Christ, who finds a wife, finds that favor from God as the Father has given Him a people. People unto Himself. And yet... Is it not true 
That when we read the scriptures, we read about the Son coming into the world for what purpose? Well, to find the bride. Don't we see that in the Gospels? Luke chapter 15. Don't we read the parables of the, the lost sheep? Well, we learned it from our very earliest days. The shepherd leaves in 99 and he goes to find the sheep that was lost. The son comes to find the bride. We read also, of course, in Luke 19, whenever Zacchaeus, the wee man up the tree, whenever Zacchaeus is found by the Savior, no accident, Christ comes and stands beneath the tree. And he tells us, the son of man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. And so we find in the gospel, the revelation of how the son comes and finds the bride. He comes in the fullness of time. He takes to himself our humanity. He, he's born of the, of the Virgin Mary. And he comes into this world to live. To live a life of perfect obedience. So in so doing, thereby providing our wedding garments. Most of you probably paid for your own today. Well, the gospel tells that Christ, he provides our garments for us. That we're, we're fit to be part of that marriage supper because of Christ's provision of his righteousness. And then he comes and he gives himself on the cross, dying for sinners. To find them. They're lost. By nature, they're away from God. But God gives his son a people and the son comes and finds them. And draws them unto himself. And it could well be case today that you came... You came to see a wedding today. Perhaps you came to enjoy the meal afterwards. Whatever their, their motivation might be, you, you came here for a wedding. But Christ is still seeking for the bride. And he does so through the word. He does so as the, as the gospel is preached. And Christ says, come, come unto me. You come and be my bride. And so perhaps you're, you're lost, you're in your sin. And the Son of Man is coming to seek and to save you. You're away from God. And you know, you know not to be true yourself. You know you're not right with God. And you're away from God. But the Son of Man comes to seek you. And to save you. That means you're in danger right now. You're in danger of the eternal wrath of God. Unless you're found by Christ. Praise God. He's, he's willing to find you. I show you a Savior who's willing to find a wife. And may you come to him today and have that, that joy of being, of being one of Christ's, part of his bride, part of his church, prepared to sit at the marriage supper of the Lamb. So this text does tell us, shows us in picture form some things of Christ's gospel. But also, it is a revelation of God's grace. Marriage, it's a gift. Implied here is that the one who finds a wife is finding a good wife. Some men in the scriptures, they found a bad wife. Didn't go well. But this text in proverbial form shows us that to find a good wife is to find fear from God. You find a good wife. And as such, you obtain fear from God. But of course... Whilst this text emphasizes the man find the wife, it doesn't mean that the wife is not blessed also. I think the reason the man is emphasized is because it does show Christ in the church. But be that as it may, we also know from the book of Ruth that Ruth found a good man. 
And she obtained fear from the Lord. So it's a general text. It's a reminder to us that marriage is a good thing and it's a gift from God. And therefore, there are principles here regarding the governance of of a good marriage. It's a gift to Rebecca as well as it is to, to Mark here today. Remembering that marriage is a gift would help us all day by day. Some of you have been married for a long, long time. I can just tell. Some not so long. But all of us, day by day, should remind ourselves that if we're married, we have received a gift from God. And that means every day I'd encourage you, get up in the morning and thank the Lord for the gift of marriage. Daily thankfulness. Might be easy in the good days. Happy days. The fullness of the joys of, of early romantic love and marriage. It's, it's easy. But, but sometimes sickness might come. Poverty might come. You're going to give those vows very soon. And all those things, those difficult days, even in those days, marriage is a gift from God. Marriage sanctifies us. I discovered sins in my heart that I never knew were there until I was married with children. It's a good thing to see your sin and to run to Christ. It's a good thing to see that you're, you're not what you ought to be. And then to have the sanctifying effect of a, of a husband or a wife who will, who will, I hope, tell you sometimes your faults. Point out things that aren't quite right in your walk with God. Marriage supports. We have the support of a, of a godly husband and a godly wife to, to draw alongside us and to help us and comfort us in the way. It's a gift from God. Be dearly thankful. I mean that. Be dearly thankful for the gift that God has given you today. But also, treasure the gift day by day. You don't want to break a good gift. It's an awful thing, isn't it? You know, somebody gives you this, this really special, important gift, and, and you, you, you drop it, or you do some damage to it, and you, you break it. Guard this gift with all of your being. Do not let somebody else get hold of it, and break it apart, or drop it on you. Don't let somebody else into the marriage that would, that would ruin and destroy the gift that God has given you. And, and yourselves, don't be careless with it. Don't, don't treat each other carelessly. You think, well, I've got her now. <laughs> She's never going to leave. No, you, you treat her with care. You treat him with care. You, you make sure that you value this gift. It's a precious gift. Don't, don't break it. Today, vow in your heart that I will not break this gift that God has given me. It's far, far, far too valuable in the presence of God. Don't get bored with it. As a parent, you give your children a gift at Christmas time. And you've thought about it a long time and you've, you've put all the energy into it and perhaps some money into it. And you, you know, by, by the 27th, it's lying in the corner. They're bored. This is a gift that keeps on giving. And you make sure that day by day you invest your time and your energy that you will continue to value what God has given you in this marriage. You will see in your order of service that at this point we're going to sing a second hymn. I'm going to stand and do that. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart.
Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Let the Bible Speak from Malvern Free Presbyterian Church. We extend an invitation to all to join us as we worship the Lord each week. You will be made very welcome. The church is situated at 80 Mallon Road, Malvern, Pennsylvania. We meet for worship on the Lord's Day at 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. A Bible study and prayer meeting is also held on Tuesday evening at 7 p.m. If you'd like more information about the gospel or the church, please call 610-993-3170 or email malvernfpc at yahoo.com. We preach Christ crucified. Thank you.